Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. So we did a 10-listener poll. Uh, we haven't done this yet on Breitbart News Daily, but we're going to do them a lot because they're 100% scientifically accurate. They're spot on every single time. They've never been wrong. I'm serious. They're always perfectly right. So the question was, we did, so we did a little version of it. Usually it's just a, you know, what side do you want? Pick a side and we do the poll. Uh, this was a little different. This was a choose your own adventure. You get to pick the opening segment. Uh, do you want post-debate analysis? Yes or no? So you just call right in. For future reference, 10 listener poll, you call right in. You don't go on the air. You just tell producer Bill, picks up the phone. Hey, Breitbart News Daily, yes or no? Give your vote. Boom, that's it. And then we proceed. We need we need quick. We got to count the votes fast, right? It's not, uh, we're not uh, Arizona. And it was uh, overwhelming. Nine to one. Nine to one. No. I want no post-debate analysis. Beautiful. So we skipped it. I don't want it. I don't want, I don't need it. I can do it. I don't need it. So we didn't do it. Uh, if you want it, you go to Breitbart.com. Instead, we talked about how CNN, AP, and Reuters reportedly had report, uh, uh, photographers embedded in Hamas before, during, and after the terrorist attack on October 7th. At what point do you, does everyone, admit that Trump is right? that the media are the enemy of the people. Does this rise to that level? I would think. So we talked about that instead. I think that's much more important. Uh, I want to play this segment before you hear. This is our second segment about the, uh, the gentleman up in LA who was murdered and the media tripping over themselves to not tell the story. Right, the media is indeed the enemy of the people. So we have a man in Los Angeles, and there's pictures going around. It's a very short video. It's a five-second video. So people are just sharing the picture of a Jewish man lying on the ground in a pool of his own blood. This is a thing we see now in our life, by the way. This deserves oh, – we, we, we could spend an hour on this. We should actually spend an hour on this. Just on our, our numbness to – horror this these inputs that we've taken out of 20 30 years ago whatever like no one had this many inputs of of violence right just like to the point where like oh there's a dead guy there's a dead guy in the pool of his own blood okay well what's for dinner honey what's for dinner tonight uh chili again Okay, that sounds good. No, no, it sounds great, honey. Like that, that's just who we are. We're like, oh, yeah, dead guy. Sure. So there's a guy laying in a pool of his own blood. Uh, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office is investigating the incident and has not ruled out the possibility of a hate crime. Hate crimes are so stupid. But if you want to play this game of a hate crime, I'll play. I think this would be one. You have a guy on the street holding a giant Israeli flag who was slammed over the head with a megaphone by a guy holding a Palestinian flag. <laughs> so each side literally brandishing their allegiances. I think we know motive. I think we got the motive. We got it. Was it an attempted robbery? The Palestinian guy took his wallet. That's what this was. Is a robbery gone wrong? I, I think we know what this was. I can jump to a conclusion here. 
Now, this was originally, it started off as a free Palestine rally on the uh, on the street corner. Now, just to be clear on this, there's no such thing as a pro-Palestine rally. It's not what these are. These rallies, they're, they're not out there chanting for a two-state solution. Right? That, does, it does, that doesn't rhyme. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That rhymes. So they go with that. That means murder all the Jews. There's no, from the river to the sea, split up the land equally. Oh, that'd be good. There you go. Uh, from the river to the sea, split up the land equally. Okay, that's a, you know what? That's a pro-Palestine rally. If I, if I hear, from the river to the sea, split up the land equally, okay. That seems like a, that's an opinion. I'm okay with that. These people want to kill all the Jews. Okay, they want all Israel gone. That's not, it's very different. Now, there's different groups of people underneath this umbrella of, of rioters or protesters. Some are there because uh, they're, they're, they're allies with the oppressed. Allies of the oppressed. This is where you get like a queers for Palestine, that thing, right? Okay. And then you get some people who are terrorist sympathizers. They loved it. They thought it was great. They wish they killed more Jews. They're a terrorist sympathizer. And then in these groups, there are actual terrorists. But no one at these rallies is saying we need a peaceful coexistence. That's not whatever happens. Now, this group, this Free Palestine group on Instagram said uh, before the event, they posted about the event, said, hey, meet us at the street corner this time. They said, if there are hecklers, do not engage with them. They are there to disrupt the peaceful protest. Lots of crusty old racist white men yelling about wanting Arabs to die and justice for Israel. I've never heard a Jewish person wanting Arabs to die. There's, there's lots of Arabs in Israel. If you engage, be sure to come out with the facts. Do not scream at them as they will be recording like they always do. Okay, so at some point, a Palestinian guy I don't know his nationality, but pro-Palestinian guy came across the street onto the Jewish side of the street and uh, knocked this guy over the head with his megaphone. Now, just to be clear, the megaphone did not hit the guy. Sometimes you'll hear the media say the mega megaphone hit someone. No, no, the megaphone did not. A man holding a megaphone hit the man with the megaphone. See the difference? The megaphone did not sprout wings and fly into the guy's head. This is what you. This, this is this is passive speech. Be careful, of passive speech. You'll hear criminals when they're describing their murder. They're uh, very detailed in, in what they're writing or saying. And then all of a sudden they get super vague and passive. So they're very, very detailed about their morning. And then they're like, oh, and, and then, uh, you know, uh, had, a, had an encounter with the guy and, you know, the knife went in. And then I uh, went home and uh, said, whoa, hold on, I'm sorry. What do you mean the knife went in? Yeah, the knife just went in him. It went in him? You mean you stabbed him? Well, I mean, went in. I, see, how, see, how, see how passive that is? Same thing here. This is an NBC headline. These are the people who hosted the debate last night for the Republican Party. Man dies after hitting head. During Israel and Palestinian rallies in California. 
Man dies after hitting head. Gosh, we're like Palestinian freedom fighter breaks his megaphone. Like that could have been the headline. No update on the status of the megaphone. How's the megaphone? Does the megaphone okay? Does it still work? Oh, I hope it still works. I hope the megaphone's okay. A Jewish man tripped and fell on a Palestinian guy's megaphone and broke it. That's what happened in L.A. the other day. Can you believe the audacity of this Jew to break a man's megaphone? Just classic colonizer, you know? So the media, they can't get themselves to, to report on this. New York Times, or to report on it accurately, Jewish man dies after altercation. There's an altercation, see? ABC News, elderly Jewish man dies after confrontation. An altercation, a confrontation. Uh, BBC, Jewish man dies after dispute. Is it, what was the dispute about? Like a parking spot? What's the dispute? The Palestinian protester came across the Jewish side of the street, hit the hit the hit the Jewish guy over the head, and he died. Killed him. And NBC says Jewish man hit head. It's like uh, heads fell off of babies in Israel on October seventh. Heads fell off. Uh, you know we're, we're just a, we're just a month over the unfortunate head falling off incident of twenty twenty three. What do you mean heads fell off? One one minute they were on, then they're off. I don't know. I don't know. He got hit in the head. Autopsy concluded uh, cause of death to be blunt force head injury, manner of death, homicide. Homicide means killing of another person. What does that mean? Slipping on the sidewalk and hitting your head is not, it's not a homicide. Getting hit over the head with a blunt force object and dying from it, that is a homicide. Now, some people have called this. Some people are like, like uh, conservatives who are trying to call it like it is are calling this the first Jewish person killed in America in light of all this. It's not. It's not the first. This one got media attention only because like, or got amplified media attention only because of the absurdity of the media. Like it backfired on the lamestream. Right? Backfired on them the way they covered it. So it got more attention than it otherwise would have. Back to Breitbart News Daily. We talked to two Tennessee representatives. First, Congressman Ogles talked about his bill to strip Cutter as the, as this as having this ally status when they are housing Hamas leaders that are worth in total eleven billion dollars that we know of, and Cutter claims to be our ally. Are you kidding me? So we had a great conversation with the congressman from uh, Nashville, and then we talked with the senator from Tennessee, uh, Marsha Blackburn, about that. A couple other things. Uh, two bills in particular about kids. One kid's at the border, one kid's in America uh, that I think are no-brainers that I think absolutely need to pass. And we talk a bit about Rona McDaniel as well, the head of the RNC, and whether or not she has to go. Here it is. Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, how are you today? 
I am doing well and so pleased to join you. Thank you. Thanks. We've had a great Tennessee day. Just talked to Congressman uh, Ogles a minute ago, who is right down the street from being my uh, congressman and now uh, the great uh, senator. Um, senator, we have to do a quick debrief on the election a couple of days ago. And the big question we asked was, is Donald Trump the kiss of death for the Republican Party? Or is Donald Trump the only thing that can make the Republican Party win? You know, I've endorsed President Trump, and he was a, a did a great job as president. And our enemies knew they were our enemies. Our allies knew that they were our allies. Uh, we had the economy humming along. The Tax Cut and Jobs Act was uh, doing exactly what we said it would do, which was grow the economy. And people had some money left at the end of the month instead of having too much months left at the end of their money. We also saw that the border was being secured, the wall was being built, which, by the way, that's what Border Patrol had been requesting for about 30 years. They wanted a barrier. They wanted better technology where they couldn't get a barrier. They wanted more officers and agents, and Donald Trump said, We'll do it. We'll build you a wall. And we didn't have the issues with crime in the streets. And inflation was at 1.4%. We were energy independent and were a net oil exporter. And people would like to return to those days. And they know that with the Democrats and the Biden economy and Bidenomics, and that their life is not as good now as it was under President Donald Trump. You don't need the help in Tennessee, but would you rather run for re-election with Donald Trump on the top of the ticket or not have him on the ticket? Donald Trump is, he, he is, I'm happy that he's on the top of the ticket. He is going to uh, carry the state of Tennessee. He is going to win by a wide margin. And I am glad that he is there. What was the mood amongst your fellow Republicans following the other day? Because it wasn't great. At best, it was a draw. Uh, I, I would have expected much better. So what was the mood amongst your Republicans? You know, uh, Republicans are focused on, and our conversation has been around, what are we going to do with Israel funding? What are we going to do with the CR? We've got a CR that expires next yeah. week and so far we've got four completed funding bills and we need to continue that pace we need a cr in place in order to be able to do that and we're waiting on the house to take an action and send the cr over uh, we would much rather be able to do appropriations bills where we can uh, redefine some spending, do some cutting on some spending. We're looking forward to the House doing that. And, you know, Mike, that's one of the things that uh, when I'm talking with Tennesseans, and I'm in every county in the, in the state every year, and we did a telephone town hall the other night, it seems a little bit backward that, yes, you cannot cut spending unless you're passing these appropriations bills. Because embodied in those bills is your ability to make those spending reductions. 
and take away some of the dollars that these agencies are wasting. And all of that's taxpayer dollars. Are you for the Mike Johnson-led bill out of the House that gives the $14 billion to Israel, but it comes with a a $14 billion cut out of the IRS? So there's two things, a standalone bill, just Israel, and then also a cut of spending with it. Yes, I, I think that that's the right approach. Uh, the IRS does not need money for all of these agents. We can't even get the IRS to give us the proper definition of their new made-up term, total positive income. But it sounds like what they're going to do is put that $400,000 threshold out there. And then for a lot of our small businesses and our companies that are organized as LPs, LLCs, sub-S corporations, and filing on the 1040, that what they're going to do is say that is your total gross, that is every penny coming in. And that would catch a lot of those mom and pops, small businesses, restaurants, small business manufacturers, retail stores that make up. Uh, the downtowns of many of our rural communities and smaller communities. Yeah, maybe, but maybe they need that $14 billion, uh, Senator, to uh, figure that out. You know, you're depriving them of $14 billion. How dare you do that? It would um, be a good day to deprive the IRS of $14 billion worth of funding. You know, the IRS needs to go back to work. We've got a lot of people still working from home. Uh, We've got a lot of ghost employees over there. And then they also need to figure out how to answer questions about the code. You can call, and if you can get an IRS agent, and you talk to one one day and one another day or email and ask a question, you'll get a different answer every day. So it would be good for them to understand the job that they have and to realize that they should be there to help and support taxpayers and not to badger and bludgeon taxpayers. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, We're talking with Senator Marsha Blackburn, of course. Uh, What do you make of Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who, Congressman, she said, don't don't, uh, distort the words of my, I don't know, I don't know if she said residents or my people. I don't know, I couldn't make out the word. But don't distort her words from the river to the sea. That is, uh, that's about peaceful, that's about a two-state solution, Senator. Why, how could you censure her for that? I mean, this is something that is supporting Hamas. And when you look at what uh, Rep. Tlaib has said, she is supporting the action. She is participating in these pro-Hamas rallies. The phrase, from the river to the sea, means the annihilation of Israel. And this anti-Israel, this all of this rhetoric that gets embodied in this is so wrong. And we have to realize Hamas is recognized by the U.S. government as a terrorist organization. And that's not something that we did last week. That has been the standing policy of the U.S. going back into the late 90s. And we need to realize this. Hamas is a terrorist organization. They chant, destroy Israel, death to Israel, death to America. 
and that is their objective. It is in their charter. And what we also have to realize is that when we send aid into Gaza, that aid is not making it to the Palestinian people. That aid is being intercepted in large part by Hamas. And it's not being used to feed the poor. It is used to feed and care for Hamas fighters. And the best way to help the Palestinian people is to get rid of Hamas. I'm so glad. Last time we chatted, you brought up uh, UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian Refugees. And you just talked about what a, what a scam that is, everything you just said, how it's used by Hamas. And then we just found out the other day, there's a report on Breitbart.com of 13 of these UNRWA workers who all openly celebrated Hamas. 58% of our budget, we spent $300 million a year, 58% of it goes to schools. And here are all these teachers in the schools that are celebrating it. And here's the curriculum that Hamas makes in the schools that we pay for. Hamas controls the curriculum. We don't even control our curriculum. And uh, it's just a total front. And Trump got rid of it and Biden brought it back. So That's we can talk about exactly there. But how about here at home? So we just the, the reason we talked with Congressman Ogles was uh, he wants to put pressure on Qatar to have them no longer house these Hamas terrorist leaders who are worth billions of dollars. And then we there's all this talk about deporting visa holders here in America who are supporting these terrorists. Where do you stand on those two pressure tactics? Well, what we've got to realize is that UNRWA, Trump was right to defund UNRWA. And Biden has put a billion dollars into UNRWA. And my legislation <laughs> would call for defunding UNRWA until Iran is uh, is exited from the UN. And I think that's the right the right step. Um, we also need to make certain that this hundred million dollars of aid that Biden continues to push is not going to end up uh, going through UNRWA. We don't need that aid and that money going into Gaza until we have eliminated Hamas. We need people in Gaza to move to the south. We need them to uh, get to where they can get safety uh, down in the south near the Rafah Gate, where they can get aid, where they can get medical care, and get them out of Gaza City. Now, that would be item number one, step number one. And we need to be sure that Israel has what they need to defend themselves and to eliminate Hamas from the face of the earth. That is why having this standalone bill funding Israel and tending to that issue is an important thing to do. And it's why Mike Johnson, as Speaker of the House, pushing that bill that would tend to that funding separately is right. And Chuck Schumer should take that bill up. We should have that bill on the Senate floor and pass it before we leave this week. Two bills that you are part of related to kids. Uh, first, let's do the one at our border. What is this, uh, this Prince Act? The PRINCE Act would allow our Border Patrol to fingerprint children under 14. And here is the reason for the PRINCE Act and also reinstating DNA testing at the border. What we have learned 
is when we did DNA testing at the southern border, what we found was that 33% of all the children being presented at the southern border were being trafficked. They were not related to the adult who was bringing them there. We also were able to uncover a practice that cartels were doing, which was child recycling. And they would have a child that would be, Border Patrol has said some children get recycled and placed with another adult or another family as many as eight or nine times. So you have this made-up family that makes it into the country, and then they release the child, and law enforcement sends the child back home. And on the child's back or arm is the phone number and the name of the adult that they go back to. This is horrific. It is hard to believe that in this day and age that this is happening. But see, if Border Patrol could fingerprint those children that they, that the adult doesn't have any data showing this is their child, they don't have any paperwork, then what they would be able to do is rescue these children that are being recycled or are being trafficked. That's an absolute no-brainer. I'm shocked we don't do it. Why did they stop the DNA testing in the first place? What was the excuse? The excuse was it took too much time. It's a 45-minute DNA test, and they felt like it slowed the process down. Now, think about that. They stopped it because people that were illegally entering the country, they've got so many, they're having to process them so quickly, and halting to do a DNA test took too much time. I will tell you right now, 45 minutes in order to save the life of a child or to keep a young girl out of some of these prostitution rings that we now hear are just popping up everywhere in these big blue cities. New York says they are covered up in prostitution rings. And uh, 45 minutes to save a young girl or to save a child and to save them from that type of life, I think that's worth it. Yeah, come on. All right, well, let's talk about our kids here for a minute. Uh, you have another bill to uh, about on, online. Now, libert- old libertarian Mike would have thought, get, get a Marsha Blackburn Center, you have no right to get involved, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but now it's like, oh, we see how harmful this is, and uh, purposefully so uh, with big tech and kids and safety. W- what can you do? Our Kids Online Safety Act is a widely bipartisan bill. You've got nearly 50 members of the U.S. Senate who are co-sponsors on this. What it would do is put the burden of proof on big tech to design for safety, to have a duty of care, to open up the algorithmic black boxes, to give kids and parents a portal where they can report bad actors online and require big tech, these platforms, to respond to them and to remove these bad actors. And we have heard from so many parents and kids about the cyberbullying Uh, information on suicide. We've heard about kids that have met drug dealers. Indeed, uh, you've got well over a third of all kids that uh, meet a drug dealer, meet them online. 
and you've got kids that are being groomed and pulled into sextortion or uh, pedophiles. They're meeting pedophiles online. And Big Tech does nothing about this. And what we've learned, we've had a great whistleblower that came forward to Senator Blumenthal and I in the last few months, and we did a hearing with him this week in uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, Arturo, Arturo Behar is his name. He worked for Facebook, retired out. Uh, his daughter showed him what was happening to her, where she would get unwanted sexual advances as soon as she went into Instagram. He had gone back to work with Instagram and uh, Meta as a consultant. He pointed all of this out, even gave them the data and the links and the numbers and what was happening, and they chose to do nothing. So he came forward as a whistleblower. But we have heard from um, from over 200 organizations around the country that support the Kids Online Safety Act, and it's time to pass it. It's time to get it to the president's desk. It's time to get it signed into law, and it is time to hold big tech accountable for what they're doing to our kids. And I was reading earlier this morning, Mike, about – and there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about the mental health crisis with our kids. And you've got a third of our girls that are contemplating suicide. It is driven in large part by the amount of time that they are spending online. And what we've also learned is that our kids are the product when they're online. Um, Big tech isn't there to protect them. Big Big tech is there to capture their eyeballs. The more eyeballs you have for longer periods of time, that gives you richer data. What do these companies do with that data? They sell it. They monetize it. And that is why you have all these advertisers. They're willing to pay for that. It's why your spam box fills up. So we're saying, no, get your hands off our kids. Um, And Big Tech, you're going to have to design for safety and have a duty of care. Yeah, Kids Online Safety Act. That's uh, that's a big one. And uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, uh, one of the co-authors of it. Uh, Senator, last question for you. You, as one of the leaders in the Republican Party, no question. Uh, what do you make of the heat that is on Rona McDaniel, the head of the RNC? You know, Mike, what we need is an RNC that is going to focus on what their mission requires them to do, to elect Republicans. And if uh, there needs to be changes in the way things are messaged, then let's take it up and let's do it. 2024 is going to be important. We've got a country to save. We have to stop this slip towards socialism that we seem to be doing, where you have people in uh, support of big government. We have to stop this appeasement on a global stage. Uh, We have to make certain that we return to focusing on individual freedoms, free people, free markets, and that we preserve um, faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity for future generations. I think she's the person for the job. I don't know how it works back there. I don't know the behind the scenes. I don't know the machine, you know? And they have a job. They're, they're a machine to, like, get out the vote and everything. What we want to be certain is that the vote gets out, and whomever is the National Party chair 
is a job for the executive committee, and every state has a man and also a woman who are the executive committee members, and that's their job. Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee, my new state, again, born again, Tennessee. And Marsha, always good to talk to you. Thank you, Mm ma'am. You too. Take care. Thank you so much. This is Senator Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. I'm American made. I got American parts. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Goodness, we have a lot to do tomorrow. Um, We haven't done a full postmortem on Ohio and abortion. And I want to talk, tell a couple stories of William Wilberforce, an incredible man that everyone needs to know. I'll tell some stories, and you can, you can see if they're relevant or not. Maybe they're not. Talk about that. Got a ton of email the other day about the segment we did on resentment. I got more examples of that. We never talked about Barack Obama and what he said the other day, which is a perfect example, just a perfect epitomization of where we are. And then uh, usually on Fridays, we talk to John Nolte. So we got a lot to do. We'll figure it all out. I hope you can join us. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word.